Welcome to Let's Face the Facts. I'm David Almeida, and I'm your host for this rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom The Facts of Life. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida, and every week I bring you some of the greatest talent in the Central Florida arts community. Join us as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show, episode by episode. Hey guys, welcome back. It's another week, another Wednesday, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. My guest this week is Jody Chase. Jody is a fabulous, funny, fantastic female. She's an actress, a singer, an improviser. She and I worked together for many years at Disney, and she's a fellow New Englander. She is also an avid rock concert attendee, and she's been on the show before, but it's been a while. It was back in season two. So uh, I'm glad to have her back. It's great to talk with her again because it's been a while. And uh, I just had her husband, John Pelkey, on the show a few weeks back. So I'm glad to finally get back with her as well. Uh, Before we start this week's show, I want to bring to your attention a new discovery that I made. I was Googling one of the phrases in this episode, and this website popped up called Subtitles Like Scripts. And the website is actually subslikescript.com. And this website has transcripts of all kinds of movies and TV shows. It looks like it's maybe been done by a bot. They don't look like they're in standard script reader's format. But uh, it was just fascinating because many Facts of Life episodes are there. So I will be putting that in the show notes, and uh, maybe every week, if I can, I'll share a transcript of the episode that we watch in case you want to read it for some reason. I don't know. I don't know your life. Um, It's kind of a cool site, so I figure let's uh, support them. I'll put word out for it. So back to this week. Jody Chase and I watched Season 6, Episode 10, called Talk, Talk, Talk. In the show itself, I refer to it as episode 9, I am wrong, it is episode 10, and the original air date was November 28th of 1984. I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with Jody Chase. Well, returning guest for the second time... It was only two years ago I had you on the show, and I said, I need to have her back immediately in two years. Jody Chase, ladies and gentlemen. Shoot, has it been two years? It was the episode dropped in February of 2019. Okay, can we be honest, though? 2020 doesn't really count, so it's like really been like, I don't know, 13 months. Barely at. We just take out 2020. That didn't exist. <laughs> just eliminate it. Most of us will. I think history will go. It's Ugh. like the 13th floor on, on the elevator. It's Nobody talks crazy. about it. It's just going to be not on the calendar. Don't talk about, don't talk about it. <laughs> it didn't happen. Yeah, hi, I, David. Hi, hi Jody. I was oh. coming back and re-listening to our previous episode because it had been a while and I was like, I, I wanted to remember and see if we, we could reminisce since it was that long yeah. ago. It was the episode that we both went, this was actually a pretty good episode. Uh, we gushed. It was yeah. amazing. It's yeah. because it was season three. I'm sorry. It was season two, episode 
three. Was it three? Four. It was uh, double standard. It was what we call the thesis show that Linda Marsh and Margie Peters wrote. Right. Where Joe was at the cotillion with the guy that Blair Wish had asked her, and then he turns out to be a jerk and attacks her, and Nancy McKeon cries, Charlotte Ray is nurturing. It is it is really in many ways the quintessential episode yep. of the facts of life as far yeah. as years. It that was would- impressive. The writing yeah. was impressive. And the acting is always adorable. It's not yeah. like, I don't ever remember going, ooh, ter-. I mean, just a little, sometimes a little over the, well, not a little over the top, but pretty over the top. And we just accept it. And then yeah. it's acceptable and it's fun. And yeah. I don't want it any other way. <laughs> <laughs> but there was some so- seriously good acting that episode. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And we were the thing of the things we were talking about is it was like the characters had clicked. They had locked in. They had said, this is a Blair and Joe show. Tweety and Natalie are the window dressing. We're not having to try and give everybody their moment like they failed to uh, achieve in season one. Right. And uh, yeah, no, it was it was a great, great episode. And then I go and make you watch this one. I'm so sorry. I liked it. It was cute. There were some really cute moments in it. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'll agree with you. There are some cute moments, but as the show progresses, as we get into season six, and the people who listen to, to this regularly know that I all I am constantly complaining about is how things are not canon, how for how we were lauding the show for being so character driven and being so tight back in season two, this is where it's getting so loose. We have, oh, we need this character to be a drummer this episode. Oh, we need someone to be a crossbow expert. Oh, Blair has to perform brain surgery. Let's say she did it when she was four years old. (laughs) Joe sings in the bar all of a sudden. That actually happened. Oh no, no, not in this episode, but are are you serious? Oh yeah, oh, I can't remember. So I don't. Fun. I think I stopped watching the Facts of Life. Uh, yeah, I was probably. Gosh, I must have been uh, when I started going to concerts and stuff. Like that was the cool thing to do, which was yeah. probably around seventh or eighth grade. Pretty much next season is where yeah. I start to really drift because that was when I I started acting. Right. Yeah. I, that's. I was in seventh eighth grade when I started acting. So, yeah. Because yeah. so, we're we're pretty much we're very close in age. Yeah. So uh, yes, we are talking about ladies and gentlemen, season six, episode nine, talk talk talk, which had an original air date of November twenty eighth, nineteen eighty four. So this ran on the Wednesday after Thanksgiving. So we are now deep into the holiday season uh, with this episode. And uh, the writers were Bob Meyer and Bob Young. They've written for many shows before. They're producers. They're in the writer's room. Uh, They have many, many episodes under their belt at this point. And the director is John Boab who is new-ish to the show, but will go on to direct the most episodes of any director as we proceed through this and the next three seasons. So the show, uh, the episode deals with a college radio station. Did you have any relationship with your college radio station, Jody? I was going to tell you. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. DJ, DJ Jody. DJ Jody did spin some records. She did. No. I, something oh, yes. told me. Something told I don't know why. 
That- I've seen over 300 concerts, Dave, and I'm like, that's something people go, really? And I'm like, and I've seen crazy concerts. Like, you go, no, you didn't see that concert. I'm like, yeah, I saw White Snake. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I saw the Scorpions and um, Metallica together. Yeah, wow. I saw um, John Denver. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah. ran, I just ran the gambit back then. Um, but when they said DJ, oh, it was it WLG. I was like, wait, isn't it usually like W-R-N-G or like, there's usually yeah. like four, four letters. letters in Massachusetts. There are four colors. And then you see things like WGN out of Chicago. You're like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. yeah. And my college was uh, Plymouth State College. Now it's Plymouth State University. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so, and ours was WPSC. So when they said W, they just said W-L-G and I was like, what? So that's the voice of Langley College, right? Yeah. The voice of Langley College. Yeah. DJ, you know, whatever. Yeah. That I was very happy because um, <laughs> I loved being a DJ. I did. I loved it. And that's when we would actually, now when I went to college, we had, uh, we had albums. Yeah. We still had, that was, that was 88, but yeah. we also Radio had CDs. never did cassettes. They would do eight tracks in some cases in the seventies. Yeah. Or kind of a thing. Cause you could, you could insert them but not click them in so you could queue. I feel like WKRP in Cincinnati used to do this, where it's like, and now Spinex thing, you and you basically hit the eight track and it plugs in and plays. Yeah, and plays it. Yeah, yeah I don't know what the deal is with cass- cassettes. Are you sure? I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think cassettes ever. I don't think we ever made it. I think vinyl and and eight track was the standard. Yeah. And then once, you know, once CDs came along and they could do things digitally, then that's, that's it. Right. Right. But this was all album. This was record. Uh Uh-huh. This was record. That was fun. There we go. So cool. What was your, um, no, what was your, uh, brand? Like, did you do a certain type of indie music or heavy metal or what was your thing? I, you know, I was really into REM and, uh, at that point, I think it was REM, but I also played, um, Whatever was you know hip and hop like hip like happening in the in the fraternities and sororities, mm-hmm. so there was um, it takes two to make a thing go right. You know, like we did, I did a lot of like fun upbeat pop music, but then I also would throw in some REM, some U two, um, and then I also would throw in some Crosby's because we I went to a kind of a hippie school in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Yeah, so like it was cool to really like Crosby Stills and Nash and you know anything that you would smoke a bong you know or like a bowl (laughs) whatever like if you just got high you were like that that music's okay yeah you know what wasn't always celebrated at my college was Jimmy Buffett which is weird to me because I like Jimmy Buffett but people were like no 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 it's we we go with like the the classic stuff you know like fish and um um, who else was really big? Uh, Little Feet, like all these bands. So I, my, my thing was like, just like everything in my life, it's like a potpourri of things. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I wasn't one thing, one genre. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, cool. Interesting. I didn't know if you had a certain uh, thing that was yours. You this listen is to D- whatever I put out there, man. <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> this, this is DJ Jody with your country western hits. I can I can tell you for sure. Being both from New England, we're like one thing that it was not was country. That was not a thing. Not at all. Not (laughs) at all. Like maybe a little Kenny Rogers, but no. Yeah, I mean Dolly 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 Parton. Yeah, you know because she because she kind of was a crossover because she had there's a lot more pop 
to her country than there was country. Islands in the stream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I could handle that. But no, well, country music was no. Yeah, not a thing. No, no. Not, not mine. Well, Jody, this is the time of the episode where I put my guest on the spot and oh ask gosh. you if you could provide a one to two sentence synopsis of the entire episode, just to give us a loose idea, maybe the listing you might see in a TV guide. Okay. Uh, this uh, episode was um, troublesome for Joe because she uh, was failing a class in school and because she's working too hard managing that radio station and she needed help because her uh, DJ Victor uh, came in drunk and she needed to fill those um, uh, DJ moments with her crying out for her friends to help her. Um, that's pretty much what I would say. I'm not very good with synopsis. I could go on and on about the episode, but I don't know. Is that <laughs> oh, that's kind of what it is, right? We will. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And in some way, it's it's interesting because it's not a very plot heavy episode. This is no. Yeah, it's it's more yeah. of we're in season six now. The show is about to take a, a significant turn in season seven, where the whole aesthetic changes. Uh, I don't know if the showrunners actually changed, but they go for a much different 80s vibe with the look yeah. of it. And they really try to lean into, okay, these are young women. We can't have this be all about schools. And this feels like we're kind of continuing with that because it's like the entire episode is set at this college radio station. We never, we have one cutaway right. to the answering machine on the desk at the house behind Edna's Edibles. Edna's Edibles. Yeah. Yes. So it's- um, I totally forgot about that, David. I totally forgot that she started Edna's Edibles. Yes. Well, that's it because you, last time you were here, Joe had just arrived. Like the show yeah. had just started to come into its own as far as the Eastland years. But um, yeah, so we have this uh, weird, unusual thing of let's take all the characters and put them in uh, an environment that we have never seen before and we will never see again i don't believe oh. i don't think we ever come back here this is a one-off well she's gotta she i hope not because she was failing yeah so, exactly so she gotta get Which, back to class we we will discuss that uh, <sighs> by the by i was worried uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but this is um we've had a series of very joe centric episodes the second episode of the season was the one where she opens up the pizza business out of edna's edibles kitchen uh episode six and seven were a two-parter about her dating her college professor and then adjusting to the fact that uh he was so much older jody he was really really old oh, yeah sugar daddy oh. he was he was 30 years old no that's so <laughs> old <sighs> <laughs> but he had a kid so the episode also oh, dealt with the fact that she was suddenly kind of becoming they were becoming this family unit and she's a sophomore in college she's not ready for that so oh. that was a joe centric two-parter and then last week we had the joe episode where she was talking to a computer uh kind of confessing to the computer about a fight she and blair had and hoping the computer would side with her because computers could do that in 1984, you know. Right. They were as big as like your kitchen, but yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I can't just get, oh my God, what was that? Yeah, what was it on Wonder Woman? It was like they had three refrigerators. Yeah. It was like three refrigerator sized things with reel to reel tapes. Yes. <laughs> Burnishers and, yeah. oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And it probably had, it probably had a half a megabyte of memory and processing data. It did. <laughs> we have to delete 10 things so we can make more storage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this is another in a series of, we were leaning a lot on Nancy McKeon. She did have some contract negotiations early in the season, and she did miss the first two episodes that they taped, but they peppered them in throughout. They broadcast them out of order. No one really notices the difference. And uh, But it almost seems like with her coming back, they were so happy to have her back that they were like, we're going to give her a lot to sink her teeth into. So yeah, so the episode is, and every week, Jody, I say I'm not going to literally recite it word for word, verbatim, every single semicolon and all that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to do a little looser framework here. But the beginning of the episode is at WLGFM, the college WLG. radio station. WLGFM. <laughs> and then that cheesy, cheesy DJ. I loved her. Yeah. Okay. And it's uh, in the, the set is to the left. We have the control room, I guess the... I guess that's what production you call room. Production room, yeah. yeah Equipment producer. Yeah. is there. And then there's this other room to the right that's the quote unquote booth, which is just a table and a chair with a microphone at it. It looked like an office. Yeah. 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 It, it was like, that's that's weird. <laughs> yeah. And then to the left of the the sound equipment, the sound mixing board and the broadcasting equipment is like a lounge area. It's got a really really good college vibe. I like the mm -hmm. way they decorated the set here where it's got kind of a junky, worn out sectional and newspapers and pizza yeah. boxes everywhere. Like you can tell it's college. Um, did you notice some of the things on the wall? Did you notice I, anything? Uh, no, I don't think I did. There's Shoot. a Gumby poster. Oh no. Remember Gumby made a big comeback in the eighties because oh, Eddie fantastic. Murphy did the Gumby character on Saturday Night Live. <gasps> and there's yeah. a whole generation, including including our generation, who were like, what is that? I mean, it's funny, but the reference to it was so ridiculous. Random and ridiculous. Yeah. I didn't I didn't notice the stuff on the wall. I wish I had. But yeah. but I guess that's kind of good. It kind of gave gave you that feel for that that time period, which was yeah. uh probably 80, you said 84, right? 84, 80, yeah. 84, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. That totally makes sense. So we have a poster of the Langley Lions that was established last week that the Lions is the Langley team and I don't think we had known that before. Uh, there's a poster of hot air balloons and the caption says, leave me alone. I'm having a crisis, <laughs> which honestly, you could hang that today in 2021 and <laughs> no one would doubt it or say, what is that from? What does that mean? Hot air balloon though. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. And there's also a poster of Humphrey Bogart, which is like. Okay. Which has nothing to do with being a DJ, uh, a radio station. No. It, it's not. What? Yeah. <laughs> That's random and I don't but get it. What's not there is there's not a Metallica poster. There's not a picture right. of the Rolling Stones lips logo. Lover boy. Lover yeah, boy. What kiss. a perfect kiss. It's like yeah. you, there were so many. There was the room was very collegey, but it was surprisingly devoid of actual music references. Right, set designer failed on that. Yeah, yeah. that's a fail. But okay, we'll give you we'll give you A for mood. Uh, we'll give you a, a C for details. 
I, you're is what generous. we'll do. <laughs> you're being generous. <laughs> Gener- generous. Oh, generous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when I was a DJ, we had posters all over, and posters were still big. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Of Yeah. And if you were a radio station, they would send you posters of album covers yes. for you to put up to remind you that, oh, yeah, I want to play that album. I want to play the music oh. from that. That was a marketing tool. I loved that so so much. I had Rick Springfield on my wall. Oh my God. I had, oh yeah. I had, oh yeah. I, I loved getting an album with the, with the poster mm-hmm. in it. And, oh my gosh. That's yeah. brilliant. And they didn't even do it. Okay. <laughs> so um, we hear from this cheesy uh, college aged female announcer doing that voice. And she says, Victor King is up next with the midnight to six. So we know that it is almost midnight. And there is now a six hour block of radio supposed to be run by this Victor dude. Yeah. Uh, then Natalie and Joe enter and they're in the booth and the initial conversation, you know, they like to be in the middle of a conversation when people are walking and talking and come into a room. Yes. The middle of this conversation is, come on, Joe, can't you at least play Eye of the Tiger, the tiger. for my <laughs> bowling like- team, the Hurricanes? You know, me, Natalie Green, the bowling team member who has never, ever, ever, ever bowled before on this show or displayed any interest or indication that it was a thing she did. I didn't even know that she, that that's what the hurricanes were. I didn't know. And then later on we found out, but yeah, no, but she's got a bowl. She's got a bag with a a bowling ball. She's wearing a bowling shirt and she turns around and shows the logo in the back. And it's like, wait, what, what is happening? And this is the stuff that drives me crazy in these seasons. Oh. It's like, why make Natalie? It's like, she's a senior in high school. It's and and it's the week after Thanksgiving. Is a bowling week really going to be meeting the week after? Come on. Come on. Right. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. You're going to be hearing that a lot this episode, Jody. Come on. Oh, no. Come on. What All was right. that about? <laughs> <laughs> but Joe was like, no, we don't play requests here on the station. And I'm going to be doing this. And in comes Professor Dugan. Okay. Or okay. as I like to call him, Professor Dickweed. Oh boy. Well, has he been on any other, um, is he a, a no, he no. just. This is oh, his only episode. This is his only appearance on can the I Facts please, of Life. Can I please tell you how I felt when he walked into the room? How, said, how did you feel? Oh my gosh. I went, okay. Perfect hair, blonde oh. hair, perfectly quaffed, perfect. Mm-hmm. Like just not a hair out of place. True. Um, I know he goes to the same hairstylist all the time. It's just <laughs> consistent. And he had the most delightful porn mustache. Yeah. <laughs> like nothing, you know, nothing. It was just, yeah. and he was tall and thin mm-hmm. and he looked like I'm your, I'm your sexy professor. And then he comes out with the, the bullshit that he handed yeah. over to Joe. Yeah, he's a, he's attractive. He's an attractive guy, but uh, he he is older. He's probably fifty uh, ish. Thirty. <laughs> exactly. In the eighties, he was probably thirty two, but right. uh, and and looked like that. So Professor Dugan is played by uh, the actor named Colby Chester, which, which sounds like a porn star. <laughs> It does. Hi, I'm Colby Chester. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, too much. Yeah. And of course, uh, his mom was in the industry too. She was Chesty Culver. <laughs> exactly. <And laughs> here's the deal. All of the family porn. <laughs> <laughs> 
He is still alive. He is 80 <gasps> years old, but presumably retired. But he has 75 acting credits over a 45-year career. He's Good for him. He was a working character actor. Bravo. Oh, that and, is the best career ever. <laughs> damn right. And and he's good. I mean, the the character they're asking him to play is a dick. But his commitment to it, his uh, projecting scholarliness, the authoritativeness, he's spot on. Fine. I yep. am perfectly happy with the casting of him. We do not address the fact, though, that he, her professor, shows up to talk to Joe at midnight. This is the midnight to 6 a.m. thing. So Right. It's, hi, he must I'm have been in... very, David, he must have been very fed up. <laughs> very fed up that, that she was not in her seat at there, whatever time was their class seven hours earlier. Yeah. It's but it like, reached a stasis point and he said, I've got to go track her down. I'm going to get dressed. She? Yeah. I'm going to put on a tie and a jacket <laughs> to leave my house at midnight to go to the college radio station to point out that Joe has not completed the station log reports. Because even though they're a student station, they are still subject to FCC regulations. You know that is true. Yeah, right? I do. I do. But nobody seemed to care at my college. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't really remember any of that. Yes. I was like, I'm just here. Hello. Mm -hmm. But she also has missed a test and has other assignments that were turned in late. So what we're talking about is he, he's he's saying that Joe is not doing well. And if she doesn't shape up, she's going to fail this mm -hmm. radio management class. Uh, Joe says that she has had a lot on her plate. She had an English paper and a psych project due. And uh, Joe was the valedictorian of her class at Eastland. Mm -hmm. So Joe is a good academic. Right. Now we're, we're at the thing where it's like, okay, Natalie doesn't bowl. And I think Joe does not fuck up her studies. So right. that's another, come on. I, come on. I'm not happy with this porn star guy. No, yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, and I don't know if you're going to say this, but I wanted to um, touch on the fact that, you know, he, he was, I mean, he was giving her a hard time and it, it was, it obviously bothered her. It, it was visibly bothering her that he would come in and, and just accuse her. Of, and then he says, there are two other seats that are empty in the class. Did you notice that Joe? And I'm sure they have better excuses than you. Uh. What? Yeah. What? Exactly. So, uh, come yeah, on. So I, yeah, come on. Come I kicked on. them out of class. They got kicked out of class. They flunked out somehow, but you haven't yet, right. which I don't fully understand. That's that's a big problem. A uh, little extra thing that is pertinent to you and me. At one point, he says, I realize that people think radio management is a Mickey. And Natalie on um, like over Joe's shoulder goes, a Mickey? And Joe turns and says, mouse. Mouse. <laughs> because it's so weird because that is a thing. I don't know if it persists to this day, but I do recall, you know, oh, that damn, you know, that's a college rate. It's just a Mickey Mouse operation. Like referring to something as Mickey Mouse meant that it was subpar thrown together. Right. What? I don't know. It's on. a Mickey Mouse repair job on my car. It broke again. So... It's interesting that 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 was around. I'd forgotten that because I don't think people use that anymore. No, I don't think so either. But uh, but I knew what it meant when she's. I don't know. Yeah. It's because I'm old. 
Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because I just. Yeah. So nowadays it's like, it's a Mickey Mouse. Oh, so corporate conglomerate that owns all of the entertainment industry. So the funny thing is on top of this, on top of this thing, which is not canon, I'm going to constantly state that this is not canon, that Joe is having trouble with her academics, is that Natalie is the one saying, Joe, this is serious. You, you gotta, I had no idea. And Joe is like, that's fine. Eh, no problem. Now I'm gonna yeah. do it. Bada boom, bada boom. I got stuff. I got stuff to do. It's all right. It's yeah. okay. It's all Not right, a Natalie. Problem. Uh, he's always saying that. And it's like, I'm fine, really. So Natalie's just like, okay, well, you know, fine. Go at it. Have fun. Yeah. I so, gotta go bowling now. Yeah. So it wasn't explicitly stated, but somehow it was, it becomes apparent. Joe is the producer. Joe is the one at the booth. Yeah. She's Victor doing dude, all the work. Yeah. This Victor dude is the one who's supposed to be the on-air personality. Right. So Victor shows up. Wait a minute. Hold on a second, David. Go for Before it. you go, please, we have got to touch on the fact that the DJ that was that, you know, the opening shot of her yeah. DJ on. Uh, comes out of the room, right? This is before um, Natalie leaves, right? Mm -hmm. And she's making out with her boyfriend. Who is the who producer. Is the guy, totally... he, yeah. What was that? Like they were completely <laughs> making out. Like they just started sucking face right there. Yep. Tonsil hockey, whatever you I, want to call it. I don't know what it was it. other than her, uh, to give Natalie the exit line of, hey, have you guys ever considered playing bowling? Oh, yeah. well, guess not. And just Probably walks not. out. And they were just, they just continue. Who makes out in front of other people? Like, I, are we, what? I didn't, okay. I just had yeah. to say that. Right. You're right though. So, and, not and, a peck. Oh, and oh, by the way, he looked a lot like the professor. He was blonde, typical. It was, I think they have the same hairstylist. <laughs> <laughs> same exact look. Same exact wow. look. Okay, okay. That's all I, have to I, say about I think that. I do remember. I don't really remember that other guy. I didn't pay much attention to him. Trust me. Because he, was... he was kissing a woman. I was like, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> so then Victor comes in. Victor, the guy that's supposed to be the on-air personality. And mm -hmm. he is drunk off of his ass. Well, he was trying to get into that fraternity. Yeah, at Thanksgiving. Because, you know, the whole hazing process, the the initiations into fraternities, that happens around Thanksgiving. Oh, totally. Right. Yeah. Always, always. Um, um, he was wearing a tuxedo, which I don't, what? Where was he coming from? He was wearing a tuxedo. And he's, he's yeah. And then he says, it's a, and this actually made me laugh out loud. It's a secret ritual. Want to hear it? <laughs> like he's a, it's a it's a secret ritual. They're, I have to because they're hazing me. Yeah. Because they want to hear it. I'm like, yeah. oh, he's never gonna get into. That's that. a good line. That's a very good. <laughs> it line. was cute. It was cute. Yeah. Some really cute lines in it. And at one point, car keys. She's Joe was looking for the key to the room with the records in it, and all he has is his car keys. And she says to him, "This was very very timely of 1984." She was like, "You didn't drive in this state, did you?" And he was like, "No, I didn't drive." I got dumped out in a sack. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I was like, what? But, and he is so like, hey, cool. Like he is, it, he's it's just so unfazed good. by this abuse that he is, is being know. subjected to. He is completely like, this is cool. This is fine. Bless I feel Victor's great. Heart. Bless Victor's yeah. heart. Bless Victor's heart. Well, Jody, oh. this is not the first time we have met Victor. No. 
Victor has been on the show before back in episode two of this very same season, and he was already the member of a fraternity. So I don't know what the fuck is going on here with this initiation bullshit. Okay, so he was already part of a fraternity, and mm-hmm. now he's saying that he has to, because that, whoa, that doesn't make any sense. He can't you know be what? a part of two fraternities. But it was the episode he, where Joe started making pizzas and selling them out of Mrs. Garrett's kitchen. And with that, she was bringing pizzas to the frat. And Victor was the guy who was sort of the, the big pizza hog. He takes a whole pizza, folds it in half like a taco, and just starts slamming the thing. He's kind of my hero, not gonna oh, lie. He kind of is. I kind of I, I I'm envious that he could do that. Yeah. He he looked like he could do that. Like he yeah. was like, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, Who's gonna do this? I'll do it. No problem. <laughs> yes. He was really just that typical. I thought maybe he was like a love interest or something of one of the one of the ladies, you know, the facts of life ladies, but no, because no, he's kind of nerdy and I could kind of see like maybe Natalie kind of like having a thing with him or something because she's so you know quirky. yeah well if she wanted to date a college boy remember natalie's still in high school right so that's kind school. of a big deal but victor is played by actor michael zorek and uh he also appeared with nancy mckeon in the tv movie called high school usa oh and uh he played the nerdy guy in that where well, yes he knows who, this... what he does well yeah he knows it exactly and uh his Twitter, I happened to look him up because he doesn't have a lot of actual credits on IMDb. I'm like, where has he been? I looked him up on Twitter. His Twitter profile says, yes, I was Bubba, with a link to the 1983 movie called Private School, which starred Phoebe Cates and Matthew Ooh, Modine. Yes, I remember that. I don't think I remember that movie. I might have seen yeah, it, but it was one of the typical teen trash comedies. It was private school for girls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Phoebe Cates probably... was in a lot of those movies. Like she, yeah. that she's yeah. Oh There's my god. It's probably a, a changing room, and they have their tits out. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm sure there was a bathing suit scene or something in the pool. <laughs> totally. <laughs> But wow. because Michael Zorek is there and it's so cool, he's, you know, he's in his 60s now, but he's, he looks like he does just with, with gray hair. He's got a wife, two kids. And if you look on his Facebook profile, I just decided to stalk him. Why the fuck not? It says retail clerk extraordinaire. So I'm thinking he got yeah. out of the business. Sure did. Sure yeah. did. But retail. Oh, okay. So yeah. proud I mean, of it. You hey, know, whatever. He had his honor. moment. He's there's more famous than I'll ever be. <laughs> exactly. He was in he was Baba. What the fuck were he was we? Baba. But oh. the deal is because he is drunk, Joe is like, you can't go on the air like that. Look, never mind. I'm just gonna play records the whole time. Give me the key to the record room. They keep them in this thing under lock and key. And he doesn't have the key. So she's he like, shit. And yep. so she calls, leaves a message on the answering machine at the Edna's Edibles house. And uh, I don't know if we've ever seen them with an answering machine before, but they use the the newfangled gadget called an answering machine. And you could hear it, you know, her voice. And then and then she yeah. leaves a message. That's so funny. I need help. I need help. We got to get yeah. down here. I need someone to bring me some records, some cool records to play. Yep. Joe says this is an emergency. And I do kind of love this, that she's like, OK, all hands on deck. I'm calling the family. She's not calling her professor. She's not calling other students. She's calling Mrs. Garrett and the girls. And I yep. kind of love that. Yes. 
So the next scene we go into is Joe handling it on her own. And she's running back and forth to the booth, to the microphone, introducing the record, putting the record on the turntable. The phone is ringing and she's running over to the phone, which is sitting on the coffee table of the sectional. Yeah, seating area. At the far left. So she's running around and it's like, really? It's really slapstick though. It was really slapstick even funny. It is fun. It is fun and funny. It helps energize the whole thing and create the uh the pandemonium and chaos that joe is experiencing but it's like you know there are djs who spin their own records D- a dj is not a person who just sits on a microphone and says and now we're going to hear from billy idol you know it, they <laughs> yes. they are at the damn turntable and putting the records yeah. down and so there's a microphone at the equipment where you can see there's a microphone where joe can communicate with the person in the booth but it's like why wouldn't there also be a microphone there come on Come on. And why wouldn't there be a phone within arm's reach that they wouldn't have to wheel the chair away and go, come on. Come on. Yeah. Wasn't a good setup. Yeah. Wasn't. Just it, just realistic whatevers. Yeah. And um, so Mrs. Garrett finally shows up with the oh, records. Thank goodness. And what is the record that she has, Jody? Oh, Joe just God. takes it. Joe throws it on the turntable and says, fine, it doesn't matter. And it what does it turn out to be? Commencement highlights. <laughs> That's what it was, commencement. It was a recording of um, commencement highlights. It was so boring. Then she says, well, the other one that I could have brought was Polka on Down the Road. (laughs) I don't know which would have been worse. I know. I love your Mrs. Garrett impression. Oh. (laughs) But yeah, it's a recording of a boring, droning voice giving a commencement speech that someone for some reason recorded and put onto vinyl. Right. Why, we don't know. But weirder records, we know, have been pressed. So that does not get a come on from me. What does get a come on from me is Mrs. Garrett says, I was at Dean Parker's house when I called home to check the messages and heard you tell us you need help. I have a problem with her saying she was at Dean Parker's house. Why? I don't know Dean Parker. Who the fuck is Dean Parker? And more importantly, Jody, who the fuck are the people in the writer's room who are so lazy that this is now the fifth time in the series where a character has had the last name Parker? Oh, no. Parker? Is that the fifth time? Okay. Are they a family of Parkers? Is it the Parker family? The I, I did some deep diving here just to make sure I wasn't crazy. Okay. Season one, Molly Ringwald was one of the original girls, mm-hmm. and they didn't keep her for season two. Molly Ringwald's character's name was Molly Parker. Then Ding. in season two, mm-hmm. the headmaster of the Eastland School, they had had different actors doing it, but the one that stuck around and appeared in 10 episodes and was a very regular presence in Mrs. Garrett's employment was Mr. Parker, Charles Parker. Number Ding. two. Ding. Then, in that same season, when Nancy McKeon, Joe, and her boyfriend, Eddie, were thinking of running off and eloping, he was 18, she was 16 at the time, Blair, as a stall tactic, invites them out to a nice dinner with her and a rich boy that goes to Bates Academy. That rich boy's name is Bank Parker. And the catchphrase people will remember is whenever they talk about Bank Parker, they say, 
he's such a weenie. <laughs> and then at the end of season two, Jody, uh -oh. we had a backdoor pilot an attempt to create another series as a spinoff from this one. It was about Tootie's aunt, who is African-American, and her interracial marriage to a white man. So it was a, yes. supposed to be about a young interracial couple. That was the concept of the show. It was called Brian and Sylvia. What was their last name, Jody? Williams. No, it was, it was Parker, actually. Parker? It was Parker. You're yes. kidding me? Dang, I, I can't believe that. So <laughs> this is five. Oh my gosh. Five <laughs> times. Someone what? in that writer's room likes that name and is very, very, very lazy. The, yeah, I, I'm. I want to know: Is there an inside thing there? Mm -hmm. that, I mean, it, it, it'd be if it was like twice, maybe three times, but five times. And it's I like, is know. it is it the name of their craft services person? It's like, oh well, you know, we like the is chalupas you make to someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're, we love Taco Tuesday. We want to just you know give give so give them weird. a shout out, you know. But it's so weird. I even did look back to see if there was reference to the dean's name because I was like. If this had been said before, I would have noticed it. Well, right. Of course you so would have. I went back and I looked. And in two different occasions, they just refer to the dean of students. I came from the dean's office. And right. uh, at one point, so, Joe is a regent. Yeah. And so there's a, um, there's like a committee and there's like a, a lead guy. And I was like, maybe was he the dean? And no, he was just a chairman. So in fact, we have never been given the actual name of the dean of langley until now oh and and it is not mr parker because at one time mr parker talked about having a conversation with the dean at langley so oh my gosh it's not that, that he's been promoted really or anything it's okay, just okay. lazy writing well i <sighs> i don't understand it and and i'm i almost just want to stop <laughs> let's, let's just end the show right here this, I, is, this is just awful i have to go awful. lay down because i have to i can't i have i have a headache in my eyeball <laughs> so that well, okay that gets what does that get jody come oh, on come on come on come on yes Get so greedy. um so no sooner does all this happen and then tootie and natalie rush in you know tootie tootie toot okay because tootie what, what, saves you have the day some, you have some opinions what's what's well, your I, I she's just a doll baby you mm -hmm. know she just comes in and she's like i got it don't worry about it. And in her puffy pink 1980s jacket, which I want to wear right now this very minute. I can see you in it. <sighs> it's fantastic. She looked adorable. Tootie's hair is great this season. And she does make a reference later that she just had her braces off. And I it is know, true. I know, so happy. <laughs> they did just come off a few weeks ago. And the difference in her and how she suddenly does not look like a large child anymore. She is a gorgeous yeah. young woman and i'm constantly captivated by how photogenic and how beautiful she She's is so pretty. She's so pretty in this show so props yeah. kim fields yeah, you're, kim you're on fields. tv for a reason girl i know she uh -huh. had that she had a good look and tootie does bring in and we get the police springsteen, springsteen. Billy, billy idol, idol. it's like yeah the heavy hitters that, exactly oh, and yeah. Um, so yeah, Tootie's got the records and Joe's like, thank God I have these that I can play. And then in comes Blair. With her perfect prom hair. 
she has her hair in an updo. We have never seen an updo on Blair Warner before. David, where was the baby's breath? (laughs) I wanted little twigs of baby's breath in her beautiful hair. And in a wedding dress with lace all the way up to her neck, covering Um, her entire torso and long sleeves. Absolutely. Um, she is wearing Jody. This is another I one of those can't. weird departures yeah. where she's dressed up like she's going to a nice dinner, right? But it's a one piece pant thing. What do you call it? It's not a jumper, is it? I guess. Uh, well, yeah, you call like it a, a jumper. dress jumper, dress jumper. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like a, it's like a dressy jumper and it's short sleeve. It's got the perfect eighties silhouette. I call she's it a Blair rumper, a Blair. <laughs> It's a and she's got gold chains on and the updo she's wearing heels she's carrying a white fur coat so she had just been out to a party we later find out so she yes. is dressed up yeah Jody, this is the first time we have seen lisa welchel not wearing a blouse and a tucked in cinched waist and a-line skirt and boots right like that, Delta Burke on Designing Women, or as I call it, her Dorothy Michaels costume. Right. That's Tootsie, yes. yes. But it's tootsie, like, and that's, but, but that's the Dorothy. way they were dressing her, Dorothy yes. Michaels. And that's how she was always, oh, God, for everything. Right. She was going to class. She's going out for a dinner. She's hanging out at the house. She always had on some type of a blouse with a tucked in and the A-line skirt and the boots. And, what happened? Well, I always said that they forgot that she wasn't fat anymore. Because, you know, there was a couple of seasons where she put on a lot of weight. I think she might have, I think she might have been tipping the scales at like, you know, a hundred pounds, possibly. Yeah, right. Too much. They were like, you're, you're a fatty McFats a lot. So they tried to put her on diet, send her to fat farms and stuff. But there was also a sense of, well, she's a size six. I don't know how to dress that. How do you dress a size six? Those, that doesn't exist in Hollywood. She was still wearing black though. She was wearing, it was black. So that is very slimming. Yes. Wow, that is. Well, and the thing is the line of it is slimming because it's such a long vertical with being a pantsuit and the peg legs that was very in, uh, in the eighties. And she looks fan-fucking-tastic. She does. She looks great. And it's period, but it's also kind of a classic period. Like it wasn't ridiculous eighties. It was like, oh, damn, girl, again, like Tootie's pink coat, I want to be wearing that outfit right this minute. I know you do, and you will. And someday I'm growing my hair out as we speak. <laughs> so this is a very serious departure in the costuming yeah. of Lisa Welchel. Like somebody came along and went, you do know she she's not carrying a couple of extra pounds anymore. She's actually quite slim. She looks amazing. Yeah. But, but like a lot of the other, from my experience with Blair on the show, she was having some some boy issues. She was having. She needed some advice. She yeah. needed some help. Blair was abandoned by a boy at a party, and when she went to find him, he was talking to his ex girlfriend, and she immediately freaked out, stormed Same. out, mm-hmm. and now Blair Warner is kind of in a daze. She's kind of like not really there and talking absent-minded like you know joe can i talk to you no i'm really busy good i have a problem i need to discuss like she's she's not there no she is distraught and when it comes to a boy and a boy at a party yeah uh, this is a come on come on really that's really what it is blair is not very insecure 
when it no, comes she's... to men. No, something happened. Yeah. Some... And we're going to find out what. We're going to find out more about what, what all happened. But Brad's her boyfriend. So Brad, yes, Brad. And, and Brad is the name of the boyfriend. Yeah. So now everyone, the, the whole, the gang's all here. Yes, everybody's there. joining them. We do not explain how Natalie and Tootie, who do not have cars, got to Langley from wherever they were. We know Blair has a car. Joe was already there. They didn't there. Uber. I can tell you they did not they did, Uber. They didn't Uber, no. They didn't Uber or Lyft. Maybe. Maybe. But, Maybe. Um, Maybe but they Victor, came in a sack, just like Victor. <laughs> they were Maybe they were in the, they were dumped. <laughs> but oh, speaking my. of Victor, Victor wakes up and he's like, oh, am I on? Am I They're like, no, no, no. Sit down before you fall down. We got this covered. At which point, as he stumbles, he reaches for the turntable and breaks the arm off so there is no record player anymore no turning back that's right you're absolutely right and that's how we go to commercial where it's like uh that's when the dj show was no longer yeah yeah about records <laughs> spinning records that was um that became that is a problem right. so when we come back from the commercial uh it's like we have six hours of air we have to fill now and we don't have the ability to play records what are we going to do so she makes them all audition there's a cute little scene where they all read and they were they were not happy about that you're going to audition me you mrs know, garrett goes in and reads the weather and it's about some flooding in the area and she was very concerned for the people yeah. and she oh we have to help them why don't we you know, <laughs> and of course just in mrs garrett mrs g you know she's got to she, yeah, help she's magnificent she, she's like no she ushered us out, ushers ushers her out of there yes and oh uh God. actually natalie is the one who crushes it natalie is the one who natalie was amazing comfortable and fun Sorry, that was me Blair just was like sad because um, of the situation she was in. She's like, it's happy, happy fiesta time. Olay. But she said it like, it's happy, happy fiesta time. Yeah, Cause so she's still in this, this state yeah. of almost unresponsiveness over this boy problem. And I literally uh, put Natalie rocks it just like you. Natalie said. rocks it. And Tootie who should rock it. Tootie starts being an actress. This is one in the good column. Tootie is the actress of the group and she will go on to be a professional actress. So her thing is, what's my motivation? motivation. What is, what's my meaning? Yeah. What's my character? What would my character? Do? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of what's, what's my want? I need a want. Strasburg say. <laughs> so, um, Natalie is the clear winner, so she goes on first and does the news. And she reports on a fire, complete with making sound effects and crumpling paper. And she did her own, yeah, her whole Foley artist. She became a Foley artist doing her own thing. And she was like, that was really good. Natalie crushes it. Natalie becomes a one woman band and crushes it. So when she completes the news, then they send in Tootie to do some advice. And Tootie, I have said before, does not usually play the black card. Usually they don't try to give her stereotypically sassy black girl talk. Good, okay. And yes. that's a very commendable good thing I about the agree. series I overall agree. to not yes. have her, you know, doing all that jive talking turkey, slapping some skin blood and that awful white people <laughs> writing for black people language. And coincidentally, you're never cast as that either. So and so I, I keep last. trying. You can't crush my dream, Jody Chase. <laughs> oh, wait, I wanted to say something. I'm sorry about crushing your dream. I wanted to say that one of my favorite things that Natalie did with her little Foley artist thing yeah. was they had a close up on her Lee Presson nails. 
Yes. And, and she was like tapping. Like a teletype machine. Like a teletype machine yeah. for the news. And this just in. And it was her beautifully manicured Lee press on nails. I just, yeah. I was like, yes, I had those. Okay, totally. So back yeah. to Tootie. And they Tootie. do. And they're all, they're all very well manicured throughout this season. You don't get many close-ups where you see the hands, but for teenage girls, they do have very done up there. They're spending their salary getting their nails did. Uh-huh. <laughs> but one thing we do have a great Tootie moment. I've said it before when they do it, oftentimes it is successful because yeah. they don't overdo the thing of well Tootie's the black girl so she has to do black girl things and say black girl words but at this point Tootie is the advice columnist and someone calls in and it's like uh I caught my boyfriend cheating and I don't want to do and she goes dump him dump him and she's just like but but I love him he's my boyfriend and Tootie says no way you'll get over him you'll get over him yeah she says no way honey he's a cheat you better lose him and is you better lose the him. full sassy look to the microphone with the sass he's gotta go yeah 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 <laughs> yes the yeah, sass yeah. was strong in that one and it was successful because they never do it again and i think this is like the first time we've gotten anything like this from oh TV. fun oh it was, <clears throat> it was yeah, um, this this season is what I mean. Right, right. This yeah. So quickly, Joe grabs Mrs. Garrett and is like, you take over. You do the advice. So while Mrs. Garrett is on the phone line, another call comes in. It's a guy and he says, yeah, I just heard you on the phone with my girlfriend telling her to dump me. I'm coming down to the station and straighten that tootie out. Like, so he oh, threatens tootie. He threatens her. Threatens and, I her. Thought, and David, I felt like it was more not a like i'm going to come down there and, and give you a good talking if it felt like it was going to be more than that physical yeah i'm gonna yeah and i was like yeah. no no he's it was it was definitely a threat it was definitely Ooh. a threat and tootie is uh justifiably and understandably uh worried un, unnerved by this yes yeah. so then mrs garrett is finishing up uh the advice we we dissolve her, advice. her advice my boyfriend my boyfriend wants to take me camping. And then Mrs. Garrett in true Miss, Mrs. Mrs. G fashion. Well, camping can be a wonderful way to bond with friends. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, oh, he wants to have sex with me. Oh, it can be the <laughs> it can also be an evil, awful thing to do camping. <laughs> she's like, don't changes her tune the funniest thing and i i wish she had delivered it a little bit differently the line as written says uh this is very difficult and i think she says it's uncomfortable for me she says because back in my day we never even said the word camping camping and she just <laughs> plows right through it but you no. think she's gonna say sex so sex. the fact that she says we never even said the word, word. Camping. camping oh gosh and then wait and her tagline for her show too made me laugh uh this is edna lend lend an ear tell me your trouble and never fear yes tell, yeah, yes tell me what's yeah. your problem they're, they're um, just getting comfortable in this they're kind of finding their groove and and, and then she said nice. yeah she says uh so he wants to sleep with me and then she said all i can say is this consider your feelings think of the consequences and carry a compass bye <laughs> like, <laughs> 
That and I thought it. she said condom at first. Me at first, too. Okay, I'm not crazy because I, I had to back it up. I was like, whoa, 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 what? But that was on purpose. That was yeah. funny. And carry a com and carry a, carry a compass. compass. Yeah, because yeah, I think there's a tiny bit of a pause there, just enough for you to go. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think those really. writers were like, yeah, that sounds just enough like condom, but we're not going to say the word condom, and no one can refute it. it. Yeah. It was great. It was great. So we move on to the next scene. They're just in the lounge. They're sitting around on the sectional. They're chilling and eating, all of them. And you're like, okay, they're abnormally relaxed given the situation that we know they're in. And before we go on with the plot, we have another one of those jokes fabricated by writers who don't fucking know anything. Natalie says, what am I eating now? And Mrs. Garrett says, it's called souvlaki. And Natalie goes, I hate it. And then the response is, well, Natalie, the laughing Greek is the only place that would deliver this time of night. And then someone says, oh, how is he doing, by the way? And we cut to a Greek man on the microphone laughing as he is telling some type of a story about this family and Nicholas. And, uh, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. yeah. And so the, it's a it's a funny joke. I like it. It's like the laughing Greek. How is he? Oh, by the way, how is he doing? Cut to an actual laughing Greek guy. Yeah. And he was just I love was, it. Yeah, it was. That was really cute. But but we must go back. What am I eating now? All right. It's souvlaki. Do you know what souvlaki is? Mm-mm. Souvlaki is the meat and vegetables on skewers. It's like a fast food oh, that is. you find in, you know, in Greek culture and street vendors. If what am I eating? It's not moussaka. It's not pastizio, right. where you're like, I don't quite have a full understanding of the ingredients that are going in my oh. mouth right now. David, but, I don't know if I'm more impressed with the fact that you you know what all of this stuff is and, and just this is a sidebar because that's oh. really impressive like you really know your greek food and i just want to say that's wonderful i i appreciate that and i, I did say... have to google it <laughs> i did <laughs> i had to fucking google it i was I like know. i'm gonna go with spanakope copita yeah. and i knew baklava. everything else i did i, I know what spanakope is but i mean i like i love me my greek food I'm, oh, oh me too i'm a mediterranean now. lover but i did have to go what was souvlaki again and i was expecting it to be something really complicated and complex with some flavors that maybe right. in the 80s might have been weird remember sushi was new it was a freaking kebab is it was a kebab. Exactly. <laughs> what am I eating now? Uh, the thing that come looks on. like. Come on. Come on. Come on. Kebab. The thing that looks like come meat on, and kebab. vegetables on a stick, it's meat and vegetables on a stick. <laughs> Jesus. I don't on. like it. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Any hoozle. Yeah, that was yeah. a serious come on. Yeah. So the Greek man that is laughing is actor Steve Suskind or Suskind. S-U-S-S-K-I-N-D. Okay. Uh, he has 68 credits between 1982 and 2005. He passed away in 2005. Oh. Here's uh, some of his credits. He is the voice of the floor manager in Monsters, Inc. <gasps> no way! In Barbara Streisand, The Concert, which was 1995, her big grand return to the concert yes. stage. Mm -hmm. Remember, three different therapists are voiced in and under the guise of her being in therapy, uses it as song cues. Right. Therapist number one, that guy, Steve Suskind. No way! And what a random thing. 
Yeah, so he did have a lot of voiceover work, but people who watch Friends mm -hmm. will remember him in 2001 as the priest who was about to marry Monica and Chandler because Joey couldn't get away from his set for the movie he was making. And then at the very last minute, Joey shows up dressed like a army dude from the 40s or something. Yeah, yeah. To uh, officiate and the wedding. And he was supposed to be that the, the person officiating the wedding. It was it was supposed to be Joey, but in Joey's absence, this is an actual is the... priest who is there in the full robes who and everything. Who was? Steve Suskind, the Laughing Greek. Come on. Come I mean, on. Come on in a good way. Come on in a good way. Yeah. Good for him for getting work. That's good. No, good. That was good for him. But yeah, if, if people are friends, freaks, it's like, oh, the guy that almost married Monica and Chandler. Done. Same guy. So then we move on and we have an hour to go. Tootie is scared. She's talking about being stalked by a faceless man. How can you worry about a radio station? And then. Natalie says, the Sunday paper just got here. We can read the movie reviews. Can you read the newspaper on the radio and have it not be plagiarism? <laughs> That's a good point. I don't I'm just wondering. I would think no, I think that would be okay because it's already out. It's already yes. Yeah. As long as you cite your source, I suppose. Okay. Uh, cite your source. No, that's cite, true. Cite your cite source. Your cite, cite your, your source. source. Um, so Natalie grabs Mrs. Garrett and says, well, come on, Mrs. G, we're going to be Siskel and Ebert. That's right. That yep. was a big thing, Siskel and Ebert at the time. Yeah, and Mrs. Garrett says, what's the movie? And Natalie says, kill me at the prom. <gasps> right. Kill me at the prom. And then they they uh, talk about their, their, the highlights of it. And uh, that was that was actually quite funny. Yeah. With Natalie kind of giving a very heady, um, analytical view of what is not it's not a real movie it doesn't exist i did no. google it just to be sure but she's basically taking a slasher movie and trying to elevate it to some sort of cinematic art while mrs garrett's like or and something. i just saw a head on the floor and oh, that's like, right yeah uh, speaking of uh fictional things that kill me at the prom is not an actual movie and earlier when joe was covering and didn't have any records she was playing the same record over and over again when she's running back and forth it is, um, she says, that was Mad Dog with Can't Wait One More Time. Right. And since it's such a great song, let's oh, listen to it again. Yeah. So that's her way to cover her ass while she has no other records. I have to admit, my knowledge of pop music in the 80s is spotty, top 40s. I wasn't that big into music, so I did have to look it up in Google. I'm like, was there really a band called Mad Dog? And did they really have a single called Can't Wait One More Time? What do you think, Jody? Yes or no? I'm going to say, well, my instinct is no, it sounds like a made up name. Um, that would be my instinct, but I have a feeling you're going to say it is true. It is not. It is fictional. Ah, very good. Yeah. Yes. It, it just sounds like that typical, like, oh, we'll call it Mad Dog because Mad Dog is like a really bad wine. Mad Dog yeah, 40 Mad or Dog something. 2020, yeah. Mad Dog 2020. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the, the name of the song. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, so while yeah. the movie reviews are going on, Blair finally, out of desperation, says, Tootie, I guess I'll have to talk to you. I'm going to have to confide in you. Yeah, she I can't talk your... to Joe. And her initial thing was, well, it's this guy I'm dating and you know him and you know me. Maybe you can give me some type of uh, uh, input onto what the situation is. So this is where Blair tells the story of that he went to go get a drink for her at the party and was gone for 15 minutes. And when she saw him talking to an ex-girlfriend, 
Tootie was like, what did you do? And she goes, I told him he had a bad complexion. That's a Blair Warner ins insult. So mean and petty and catty and just, just yeah. typical. And then she left. And then she just left. And Tootie left. basically tells Blair, you know, you were kind of wrong. You should have at least asked him and you shouldn't have assumed the worst and you could have given him a chance to explain. She gave good advice. Good advice, Tootie. Yes, Tootie, saving the day again with the records and now this. Yeah. So Blair says, well, I don't know how I'm going to tell him that. And then she says, and then Tootie says, does he listen to the radio? <gasps> Ooh. So she puts Blair on the air and Blair apologizes on the air, something she has never, ever done to a man before. Right. Among Initially, she didn't, right? Initially, she was like, and I want to say that da 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 and then blah. And then you were like, but she didn't apologize. And then, then she, then of course, there's the take, the look up to Tootie and Tootie's like, and she's like, and it was all my fault and I'm... Sorry. Yeah. Like it, took, it, was, it was painful for Just her. Just a that. struggle. Yep. So struggle. And um, yes. And so keep in mind, right now, they did say it's an hour to go. So it's just after 5 a.m. So I hope he's listening at 5 a.m. Guess what happened? Can happen. So we go to the next scene, and it is now 58 minutes later. We are two minutes to 6 a.m. They are about to make it to the end of this. Uh, I will point out, nobody is tired. No, everybody's just right out and bushy-tailed. Yeah, nobody was drinking or <laughs> swilling back coffee or whatever. It's like, no, they're just like, oh, we've been up all night, la, la, la. We have to go to, well, it's a Sunday, now it's a Sunday morning, so. I, but they I think do they were high on, them. they're probably high on no-dos or something. Remember <laughs> no-dos back in the early I'm 90s? So <laughs> I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so scared. <laughs> So only like two minutes left or something, With two right? minutes left, Natalie's just about to wrap things up. And a boy shows up at the door to the station. Well, Judy screams. Judy screams. She's thinking, worried. Oh, my gosh. She's worried. She's thinking it's her murderer. She's thinking it's the guy that's come down to kill her. He never yeah. actually does materialize. This is no. Brad. It's Brad. And guess what? Can I say this again? Third time's yeah. a charm. He looks exactly like the other two guys. <laughs> <laughs> Blonde hair, porn mustache, perfectly quaffed, You're right. absolutely whiter than the driven snow. You are right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's so uh, it is now almost six in the morning. He's still dressed in his blue dinner jacket and his tan pants and his tie like he was still at the party or something. That was a long formal party that they were at. That wasn't like a frat house party. Right. So that was weird. That was uh, a little weird. Yeah, but he accepts Blair's apology and they are, they make up. They do. They did. They made up and that yep. was really sweet. They make up and then Victor wakes up, at which point <laughs> Blair offers him a ride home. She's like, Brad's got his car. We'll get you home safely and in one piece. Joe thanks all the others. She is really grateful. That's really nice. And uh, Mrs. Garrett does say, I hope the professor enjoys it. And Joe says, are you kidding? Anyone can play music. And then Natalie signs off and then they count down. Thor, three, two. two. Oh, say, oh, can, can you see? see? And they'll sing that. And they start singing along. And after the countdown and the national anthem starting, it's applause and roll credits. We're done. Yeah, we're done. Wrap it up, right? Episode's I... over. 
episode's over. <laughs> you you can see the look on my face where I'm like, yeah, what are you? Uh... <laughs> it didn't have the strongest finish, but it's as we know as comedic performers mm-hmm. and that create scenes. Um, and Saturday Night Live has the same problem. It is hard to end a scene. It is hard mm-hmm. to end a sketch. It is hard to end a show. It's always the ending that's always difficult. Um, well, and that it was fine. It was fine. Well, here's my thing is that it what? could have ended that way. I didn't hate that they did what they did. But I'm like, okay, the notes I'm sending back in the time machine to the writers is that there was a complication earlier in the episode, but that complication is not resolved. Joe is failing or not doing well in this class, and this professor is ready to kick her out. Right. And so it's like, well, what were the stakes being But at least Blair can get laid. Yeah. (laughs) And And, and look fabulous in her outfit. And look fabulous in her fantastic jumper. (laughs) So here is how I would have fixed the episode, Jody. Okay. At the beginning, when he said, uh, I know a lot of people think radio management is a Mickey. Mickey, mouse. But I would have had him add on that the emphasis on this, Joe, is the management. And I have serious doubts whether you can be a leader when the chips are down. All these excuses you're giving me are just excuses. You have to show me that you can deliver. She did deliver. she did. Then you didn't have to change another word of the whole episode. And then let's go for it. And this is cheesy 1980s sitcom shitty. Bring it. But it would be perfectly at home in this episode if, as Natalie is counting down, we're one minute left. Ring, ring, ring on the phone. Who's calling at a time like this? Ring, ring. It's the professor. Put him through and have him on the air say, I just want to say, Joe, I've been listening at home and I'm very, very impressed. See me in my office Monday morning and we'll talk about getting you an extension for those assignments that are late. There it is. Two lines, people. Yeah. And you know. Could have fixed it all. Yeah. And then someone calling at 6 a.m. Why would that be any more strange than, you know, somebody coming in at 5 three minutes before going, I listened to you say exactly. that was your fault. He'd be, and he could, you know what? And I could justify that even better. More than him being there at midnight, he can say, I have an early morning meeting and I turned on the radio station while I was getting ready. Because at six, I mean, you could be yeah. up at 5.30 or six in the morning to start your- Is well, it too a, much exposition though? I don't know. It's a Sunday. Yeah, that is too much exposition. Forget oh, I said it. Forget Sunday. I said it. I forget it. And it's, it yes. is a Sunday. Mm-hmm. He could have said, uh, before I went to church. Or something. Yeah, I was yeah. kidding. I have an early <laughs> church sermon, you know. I'm having doubts about the existence of God. You know, I was thinking to myself, if God really is a truly benevolent God, how can there be so much suffering in them? But anyway, well, Jody, we're at the end of the show. I'm whining like Tootie did. I know. I want to stay on the Zoom and look at your face and talk to you forever like we used to in the old days. (laughs) You just call me old. Yeah. And I'm older than you are. Don't forget it. That's true. Like eight months or something. So I want you to come back and do this again. And hopefully it won't take us two years. I will. And uh, your husband, the wonderful John Pelkey, was a delightful guest a few weeks back. He's a funny man. 
Yes. Maybe I'll have you together. Would you like to do that together or would you? Oh, like I think that'd be miserable? really funny, actually. Okay. Well, then maybe that's what the next goal is. I'm going to have you on together. So, couple, yes. Couple criticizing, couple critics. Couple. Like, like, it's couple. How, what's, what's a good word, for, words for those? Critic couple. Critic couple. Okay. We're critic <laughs> today with yes. Jody and John. Okay. We'll do that. Critic coupling. Critic coupling with Jody and John. There's a lot of alliteration yeah. there. I love that. <laughs> I love it a lot. Me too. <laughs> well, be well, darling. I hope 2021 is a magnificent year. I hope it is the year that puts you and me both back on a stage or in a role. And may it be something we get to do together. I hope so too. Thank you, David. I, I have right. a feeling it's going to happen. Yes. Let's let's cross everything we have two of. Will that send that out into the universe? And in the meantime, I love you. I miss I you. I love you too. I miss Smooches you. and goodbye. Bye. And there you have it. That was Jody Chase. So glad to have her back again. We didn't get to talk about it this week, but just as a reminder from last time Jody was here, animals are very important to Jody, and I didn't want to let the show go by without giving another plug to her pet rescue, A Better Life Pet Rescue, which you can find on Facebook and their website, betterlifepets.com. I will post links to both of those. Now, a little bit of follow-up on the episode. First of all, I didn't mention that the record that Mrs. Garrett brings and refers to called Polka on Down the Road, uh, I hadn't speculated before, but I realized, could that be an album of polka music and polka arrangements of the Broadway musical The Wiz, which is where ease on down the road comes from. Uh, if that record exists, I need to have it and listen to it right now, immediately, and forever for the rest of my life. I will start hunting. I don't think I'm going to find it, but if you guys have any leads, let me know. Secondly, you know I went on my rant about the last name Parker and how this is the fifth use of it in the series. Uh, I was looking up and just verifying all of the information, and when I went to look up Mr. Parker, the headmaster of Eastland, whom we know and love, I realized that I had never actually done a deep dive on the actor, Roger Perry, who played Mr. Parker and was in, uh, I think he was only in like 10 episodes, but he certainly made quite an impact. But looking up uh, his life and his career, there were some surprising facts that I did not know about. He was discovered by Lucille Ball, and he was signed on at Desilu as a contract player. Desilu Studios was the studio that she and Desi Arnaz started up. And you know who else started that way was Robert Osborne the guy from Turner Classic Movies. He started out the same way as a contract player at Desilu, discovered by and basically groomed by Lucille Ball and company to be the next generation of, of actors. So that's cool. But the thing that really surprised me was that he's a composer and a songwriter. He has some credits where he has sung and Barbara Streisand sang one of his songs called A Kid Again, on her first TV special, My Name is Barbara, from back in 1965. He, Mr. Parker's a songwriter, singer, song, what? That is so weird. And lastly, he was married three times. His first wife was Patricia Perry. She was not a famous person. But then his second wife, 
in 1975, he married Joanne Worley. And he was married to her until 2000. So the entire time he was on The Facts of Life, his wife was Joanne Worley. She's the one that was on Laugh-In. And of course, uh, a whole new generation grew to love her as Madame de la Grande Bouche, the voice of the armoire in Disney's Beauty and the Beast. And then, after he and Joanne Worley divorced in 2000, two years later, he married Joyce Bulafont. Do you remember Joyce Bulafont? She was Murray's wife, Marie, on the Mary Tyler Moore show. She was in a bunch of sitcoms. She was a uh, game show staple. And uh, if you remember the movie Airplane, remember she's the mother of the sick girl in the stretcher. The sick girl being Jill Whelan from The Love Boat, by the way. <sighs> so I, I could not believe these facts about Roger Perry that I stumbled upon and realized uh, for all of the deep dives I do... I somehow missed him, and he was such an important part of the show in seasons two through four. And the last thing I'll add to this, as you, you continued going down the rabbit hole, Joyce Bulafont, before she was married to Roger Perry, was married to William Asher. That name may be familiar, because William Asher was the producer-director of Bewitched, which was a vehicle for his then-wife, Elizabeth Montgomery. So after he and Elizabeth Montgomery split, he married Joyce Bulafont. And then Joyce Bulafont and went on to marry Roger Perry. It's, it's crazy. So many, so many celebrities. Anyway, I will stop babbling about this. I'm just really excited to discover so many interesting facts, even though I am embarrassed that I didn't do it until now. But next week, I'm going to be watching Season 6, Episode 11, called Smile. And I am going to have another very special guest. You can watch the show for free at dailymotion.com. I will post the link in the show notes and on this show's webpage. That is all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by me, David Almeida. My theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Visit my website, facethefactspod.com, for supplemental photos and videos, audio extras from the digital cutting room floor, links to my social media, and ways that you can support the show financially. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs>